Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you have any questions for our guests, there are many ways you can contact the show. You can post a question on our wall on Facebook, Skype us, send us a tweet on Twitter to at The Organic View, or you can contact me directly at June Stoyer. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Eden Foods, one of the most trusted names in certified organic clean foods. Listeners of the Organic View Radio Show can receive 20% off any regularly priced items, excluding cases. Simply enter the coupon code ORGVIEW when prompted during checkout. That's ORGVIEW. For more special offers, please visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. On today's show, I had the pleasure of welcoming raw food expert and nutritionist Jenna Hamshaw to talk about her best-selling book, Choosing Raw. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Jenna. Thank you, June. I'm so great to be here. It is so great to have you on the show, especially since my garden is filled with so many vegetables and so many people are just looking for different ways to use everything that they're growing in the garden. So this is just really perfect timing. Well, I am so glad. My goal is definitely to inspire people to get more creative with vegetables, so I'm glad that you feel that way. (laughs) Now, Jenna, Choosing Raw is such a beautiful book, and we're going to talk about some of the things that you recommend. But before we get into that, could you just share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and why you decided to get into nutrition? Absolutely. So, you know, I grew up eating, like most people, a totally a standard diet. I would say that I, my, my mom was health conscious in the way she prepared our meals, but, you know, I certainly didn't grow up with a robust interest in nutrition or plant-based diet or anything like that. I did, however, when I was about eight, I cut red meat out of my diet because I had seen Bambi and it really upset me. <laughs> um, so I pretty much didn't eat meat or red meat rather, um, all through all through my teen years. Um, and I also come from a eating disorder background. So after my recovery, my eating disorder started when I was pretty young, and I had a relapse in college. And after my second recovery, I started to get more interested in nutrition. Um, I also was having a lot of GI illness at the time. And in my sort of mid-20s, a gastroenterologist who I saw suggested that I cut out dairy as a means of seeing whether or not I would feel better. Um, And I did, and it made a really dramatic difference. And at that point, I was really cutting back on chicken and fish. I was essentially a vegetarian um, and not eating much animal flesh. And I didn't really care for eggs, and now I wasn't eating dairy. So I realized that I was pretty close to vegan. Um, And I didn't yet identify with animal rights per se, but I had read like Diet for a New America and a couple of other books. And I I sort of had a vague sense that the arguments, environmental and ethical arguments for being vegan were interesting. Um, So it was primarily a health decision, but I was sort of curious about the, the other motivations. And I decided to just go vegan and see how I felt. And I kind of didn't tell anyone I was doing it. It was just an experiment. Um, Smart move. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, you know, like a lot of folks, I was afraid that it wouldn't work out or, you know, that I wouldn't enjoy it. And I didn't want to let everyone know until I tried it myself. So so anyway, so I went vegan for a couple months, and it was not only much easier than I thought it would be, but I felt great, and I was so happy. And um, it really changed my life. I've never looked back. 
since going vegan. And so after that, I really developed a strong interest in plant-based nutrition in particular. And I got a clinical nutrition degree at night while I was working full-time as a book editor, and I started my website. Um, and it's worth saying that probably a year or two into my vegan journey, I ate at a raw food restaurant. And I had never eaten raw food before, but at the time, I was really getting into cooking. And as someone who was just discovering the culinary arts, I found raw food so incredibly inspiring. It was just so creative, and it was so visually appealing. It was so fresh and colorful and beautiful, and it was so innovative. And it also seemed like such a smart and cool way to focus on whole foods in one's diet. And so I got really into raw foodism. Um, but it's worth saying that both when I first got interested in raw food and even and, and now probably even to a greater degree now, I was never a strict raw foodist. So I never went 100%. I always sensed that being able to eat hummus and cooked whole grains and cooked legumes and roasted root vegetables and soups in the winter was just really important to me. Those weren't foods that I wanted to eliminate. So I sort of did have a raw honeymoon phase where I was very high raw, as they say, all the time. But pretty much since those early days, I've been a raw foods enthusiast who also eats cooked food. And that's really how I describe my diet to people. You know, a lot of people think that choosing raw implies choosing a 100% raw diet. But for me, what it really means is choosing how how much raw food you want to incorporate into your diet and just making very conscious, active decisions about it rather than feeling as though you have to adhere to the 100% raw food dogma. Jenna, could you share with our listeners some of the basic principles of following a raw diet? Sure. So I can tell you sort of how raw food is classically defined and what the principles of it are in a traditional sense, and then I'll tell you more about my approach to it. The sort of traditional raw food central idea is that when we cook food, we denature the enzymes in it, and those enzymes are actually very useful, or so the theory goes, because if we eat them, if we if we preserve them and we consume them intact, we won't have to produce as many digestive enzymes when we eat our food, and that will spare our bodies a certain amount of effort and energy that can then go on towards regeneration and healing. Um, and what food, the enzymes are considered to be denatured at a certain temperature. Some raw food is say it's 105 degrees. Some raw food is say it's 115. There are a couple of different definitions. I usually just pick one of them. I don't think that one of them is necessarily right and the others are wrong. Um, and so raw food diets, therefore, include uncooked food, which means fruits, vegetables, uncooked nuts and seeds, sprouted grains and legumes, um, and all sorts of nut butters and um, other things that are made with nuts. And so that's that's sort of a traditional raw food diet. My approach to raw food has always been much more flexible. I actually don't really agree with the enzyme theory, so to speak. Um, my own understanding of the science, and I, I think a lot of the science in, in, that we have supports this, is that enzymes are denatured when we consume them, just like any other protein we eat. So whether or not we've consumed them, um, whether or not we've consumed our food cooked or not, um, we're not necessarily utilizing those enzymes in a powerful way. There, There is some evidence that certain enzymes do survive the digestive process and they can go on to be helpful to us, but it's probably not as large a role as sort of traditional raw food theory would suggest. 
However, I think that raw foods are still really valuable. I think they're extremely hydrating. They're very rich in vitamins and minerals. It's definitely true that some micronutrients, including the water-soluble vitamins, are lost through the cooking process. So to me, it just makes a lot of sense to include a combination of raw and cooked foods in one's diet and to pay a little more attention to consuming raw foods. And that's what I've really always done. And I think that raw foods are also just a wonderfully creative canvas to get to know vegan food. I think they are beautiful, tasteful, um, really fun to work with. And so I sort of define myself as a a raw foods enthusiast um, rather than a strict raw foodist. Um, I definitely think there's a lot of value to eating more raw food, but I wouldn't necessarily say that I feel that all cooked food is worse than raw food, which is how some raw foodists do feel. Well, the pictures in your book, Choosing Raw, are just fantastic, and I can tell that you put a lot of thought into these recipes, especially your take on Chinese takeout. (laughs) You did a magnificent job creating these recipes, Jenna. Can you share with the listeners any tips that you have for them if they would like to incorporate more raw foods into their diet? Absolutely. So the first thing you should know is that Raw foods can and should be really simple, right? I mean, after all, these are just vegetables that are, like, freshly plucked from the earth. So it shouldn't be really complicated to work with them. Um, I actually find raw foods to be easier when I'm busy than preparing cooked food because there's no waiting for anything to bake in the oven and there's no standing over a stove and simmering things for hours at a time. It's really just very intuitive and very immediate. But the thing is that when you try to do really complicated and sort of fancy raw cuisine, Um, like preparing a raw quiche in your food dehydrator or something like that, it can get very time-consuming and very complicated and difficult. So the best advice I could give anyone who's using and working with raw foods for the first time is to really just keep things simple. Um, Stick to simple recipes like salads and slaws and blended soups and smoothies. Um, The vegetable rice that you see in that Chinese takeout container, that's really just cauliflower that's been chopped up to look like rice and seasoned with some sesame oil and ginger and other sort of traditional Asian seasonings. Recipes like that are really versatile and easy and accessible, but they're also incredibly flavorful. And I think they're a perfect representation of what raw food can and should be, which is something that is accessible, easy, and really appealing to everyone. Um, So, yeah, the best advice I can say, just stay away from recipes that are overly fussy and focus on mastering a couple of raw food techniques that you can then modify in different ways. Jenna, what are some of your favorite tools that you have that most people, especially when they're getting into the raw diet, should have? So one of the first ones I would say is definitely um, just a good, of course, this most people already have this, but of course, a good set of knives. Um, you know, you're going to be chopping a lot of vegetables when you get into raw food, so it's important to have some good paring knives. I would also say that having a mandolin can be helpful, and it doesn't have to be an expensive one, but it will, because, you know, you're typically eating quite a lot of salad and slaws and stuff like that. Having a mandolin will just allow you to prep and chop vegetables a lot quicker than you would if you were sort of painstakingly chopping with a knife and doing it all yourself. I would also say that um, there's a little device called a spiralizer, which comes really handy. It's, um, all it does is it sort of slices zucchinis, carrots, and other vegetables into these long ribbon shapes. And it's great for creating what I call vegetable pasta, which is essentially, instead of using traditional spaghetti or wheat pasta, just putting some wonderful creative sauces on zucchini that has been cut into noodle shapes or carrots or something like that. It's an inexpensive device, and you can do a lot with it, and it, it, I, I find it incredibly useful. 
And then finally, I would say that having a food processor is also really helpful because that can also help you with your chopping and your prepping of vegetables. And you can also make salad dressing soups. You can make um, nut pâtés, which is essentially just ground up nuts with different herbs and seasonings. Um, and it's, I think it's just a pretty essential kitchen tool to have. There are two devices which really come in handy if you get deep into raw foods, but you don't need it to begin. One would be a Vitamix, a high-speed blender. I won't pretend that this is not an invaluable device. It it will create the best soups and smoothies you'll ever have, and it can pretty much blend up anything. Um, but it is an investment, and I did fine as a raw foods enthusiast for well over a year with just a traditional, a conventional blender that I had inherited from my mom. It was completely an antique, and it, it did be just <laughs> fine for simple smoothies. Um, you can also invest in a food dehydrator, which will essentially allow you to warm things up and dry them out without really cooking them. And, you know, again, this is this is a way of sort of adding some warmth and variety to a raw food diet without cooking food. I think they're great for making snacks like kale chips and dried fruit, and I think they're a lot of fun. But I would say that it's definitely the device I use least often, and it's probably the device that I consider to be least essential. Um, I think it's fun, but I don't think it's necessary to enjoy this kind of food. What are some of your favorite spices and seasonings? Oh, gosh, so many. So really my favorites are the fresh herbs that we see, especially at this time of year, basil, dill, chives, um, fresh parsley, thyme. I love all of the sort of wonderful herbs that crop up in, in this in this part of the year. Um, I can't get enough of them. Put them in salads, soups, pretty much everything. As far as um, seasonings go, I would say that I love smoked paprika. I think it's kind mm, of a yeah. superstar ingredient. It adds the smokiness that I think a lot of recipes get, you know, like chili, for example, gets smoky flavors from meat, and sometimes certain recipes get it from bacon. You can create so much of that smoky quality by using smoked paprika. I put it in my lentil soup in place of where, you know, ham would normally be, and I put it in just all sorts of recipes. I think it's fantastic. I really like cumin, too, although it's a powerful, you know, seasoning, so you have to be you have to be modest with it. Same thing with curry. Um and I would say that aside from that, just, you know, all traditional salt, pepper, making sure to season all of your food well is pretty essential. Thank you. I think one of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, seasonings is smoked paprika as well. I just discovered that uh, a few years back, and I just found that it's magnificent, yeah. especially with cauliflower. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. It's really magical. One last question in regards to kids, do you have any advice for parents that are trying to incorporate more raw dishes into their child's diet? Absolutely. Um, you know, so I think the best place to begin is with smoothies because kids tend to really like them. They're sweet. They're refreshing. They're delicious. You can use whatever fruits your kids like. So that's very often a banana or mango or berry combination. Um, and you can, the great thing about smoothies is they're a very sneaky little vehicle. So if you have kids who are struggling to eat greens, sometimes you can't necessarily get them to eat greens on their own, but you can get them to drink a green smoothie if it tastes like bananas and strawberries. So I think smoothies are really, really, really handy. Um, and you can also, of course, get other kinds of nutritious ingredients in there. You can get some black meal ground up in a smoothie which has wonderful omega-3 fatty acids. I mean, there are a lot of really helpful things you can sneak into a smoothie, and again, your kids are not going to know, and they're not going to have a chance to 
say no. Um, I would say that also just preparing any kind of fruit dish um, is really helpful with kids. And then I would say that, you know, some raw food dishes that aren't 100% raw but are kind of high raw can be very helpful. So, you know, one thing I love doing instead of a traditional PB&J on white bread, I love doing sprouted grain bread, which has often been cooked at low temperatures instead of baked at high temperatures like traditional bread. And I'll do that with raw almond butter. And then instead of doing a sugary jam or jelly, which is what you'd probably find in the grocery store, I will just blend up fresh fruit and then soak it with chia seeds to make a sort of homemade jam. And that's like a really healthy take on PB&J. And I think little tricks like that can definitely help you to get more raw foods in your kid's diet. Um, The other thing I would say, kids love raw snacks. So if you can make kale chips, if you can make fruit leathers homemade in a dehydrator, if you can make little sort of nut and dried fruit balls or bars um, at home using medjool dates, which are so sweet and juicy and wonderful that kids really like them, that's another great way to get kids to snack on things that are a little more wholesome than what they might find elsewhere. I just want to say thank you for taking the time to come on the show to share so much advice with our listeners. Your book, Choosing Raw, is just fantastic. The images alone, I mean, you, <laughs> it makes you hungry just reading the pages. <laughs> well, thank, Could you, thank you so much, and it's been such a pleasure to be here, so thank you for having me. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. Could you just take a moment and share your website with our listeners? Absolutely. So it's the same as the title of my book. It's Choosing Raw, www.choosingrawoneword.com. And I'm also at Choosing Raw on Twitter, and I'm Facebook-ChoosingRaw, and I'm Choosing Raw on Instagram, all one word. So that's where readers can find me. And I guarantee there are a lot of there will be a lot of people who will indeed begin to choose raw, especially after listening to you and especially if they pick up a copy of the book Choosing Raw. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon, everyone.